are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. But what are we talking about on today's pod? Well, we are discussing a fun topic that I've been circling on this pod. We're looking at trades in the last 10 years where a team traded their franchise superstar player, their cornerstone, and what they got back in return. Did it work out for those teams? I know a lot of people want Ketel Marte to be traded. So we're going to look at some big trades in recent MLB history to see if the D-backs can learn anything from those teams that traded their best player. So we got a whole bunch I want to talk about today, talk about on today's pod. I think it's going to be a really fun pod today. But first, before we get into it, thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be doing this podcast without you, the listener, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. But now, I jump right into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Miller Thomas of Locked on Dimeback still here. And the first trade I want to discuss for you guys today, because once again, we're looking at trades in recent MLB history. So we know, so so the D-backs can know what mistakes they can learn from, from other teams in recent MLB history when they traded their best player and they don't make the same mistakes as these teams we're going to talk about today. So the first team I want to talk about today is the Boston Red Sox. I know what you're thinking, the Mookie Betts trade. No. We're not talking about the Mookie Betts trade. I really don't want to talk about any trades that happened since 2020. So no Nolan Arenado trade, no Mookie Betts trade. I wanted a trade that had, you know, maybe back in 2018. I wanted deals that you you at least had a few years to simmer on it and see the return that the that these teams got back. So not the Mookie Betts Red Sox trade, but the Chris Sale Red Sox trade made back in 2016. The White Sox traded Chris Sale. For to the Red Sox for pitcher Michael Kopech, infielder Yoan Mangata, outfielder Luis Alexander Basabe. If I mess up some of these names because I've never heard of these prospects, and uh, I just never heard of these some of these prospects if I mess up their names, and then pitcher Victor Diaz. So the White Sox got back two top 25 prospects in a Kopech and a Mangata. Mangata is like basically a consensus top five guy with Kopech being around the, around the 20th best prospect. So White Sox. Definitely got a haul back for Chris Sale. But why did the White Sox do it? Well, they were tired of being the fourth place team in their their division. And 
a star like Chris Sale, he was just wasting his prime in Chicago. This was a team that was never able to get over the hump in recent history at the time when they had Chris Sale. Chris Sale had never been to the postseason, so it was like, why do we keep having these quality players on our team if it's not going to actually lead to win? So the White Sox decided, let's blow it up. Let's trade Chris Sale. They also traded Adam Eaton to Washington for Lucas Giolito and other players. They even traded Jose Quintana, Todd Frazier, and David Robertson the next summer. So the White Sox were in a complete rebuild. So that's why they didn't mind trading Chris Sale and getting back some Really tantalizing prospects back from the Red Sox. But why did the Red Sox do it? Well, they had won the AL East in 2016. That was the last year of Big Poppy, And they felt like they needed to upgrade their rotation. They had David Price, who was good, not great. Rick Porcello was coming off a Cy Young Award. But they they felt like that Cy Young Award was pretty fluky for Rick Porcello. So they said, let's upgrade our rotation and add a Chris Sale to our team. And he's going to be the new ace of our rotation. And... You can definitely say it worked out for the Red Sox because when you look at who won the trade as of today, you have to say the Boston Red Sox. Chris Sale, he by far lived up to the expectation level set on him when he was acquired by Boston. We know the Boston media could be pretty tough. It could be Boston's one of those places like New York where the media could just eat you alive. The pressure could get to you. You don't perform well. The fans are going to start booing you. And Chris Sale lived up to expectations. And he was basically the guy during that 2018 World Series that said, hey, put the team on my back and I'm going to be the vocal leader for this Red Sox team. He threw 372 innings over the next couple years with 2.56 ERA. Those next two seasons with the Red Sox recorded, recorded the final out in the 2018 World Series out the bullpen. Chris Sale was fantastic for the Red Sox. But when you look at the return the White Sox got, it hasn't exactly lived up to expectation levels so far. Yohan Moncada looks like he could be a nice player. He had a fantastic season back in 2019, but that seems like the outlier in his career right now. He's been a strikeout machine, and he hasn't really been able to hit for power consistently. So right now, that 2019 season for Moncada might be the outlier in his career. Michael Kopech is a flamethrower. He's a guy that could throw 100 miles an hour, but... At the end of 2018, he hurt his elbow, uh, missed basically all of 2019, opted out of 2020. He's back now. Uh, He showed some really good flashes in 2021, back to hitting 100 miles per hour. So we'll see if Kopech can live up to his ceiling. Basabe has struggled to stay healthy and isn't even on the team anymore. And Diaz simply hasn't been healthy enough either. He hasn't pitched since 2017. So really, this was Chris Sale for Moncada and Kopech. And right now, Moncada... Jury's still out. Kopech, the jury's still out. So would each team do this deal again? I think the Red Sox definitely would. They got a World Series out of Chris Sale, and he's still only 32 years left. So he's got a few more years in his prime, while the White Sox, I think in hindsight, they probably wouldn't do it just because the ceiling on Moncada doesn't seem as high as it was going to be. And Kopech has dealt with injuries. He still has a pretty high ceiling as well. But The injuries have been a big issue for him. He hasn't been able to stay on the field consistently. So the jury's still out on both of those guys. But the crazy thing is, the White Sox got to this place in their franchise right now. The success they're achieving right now without the Kopeches and Moncada. So theoretically, they could have done this rebuild without trading Chris Sale. And then they got the team they have now with the Chris Sale minus the Moncada and Kopech. And they're probably a better franchise if they went that route. So... 
Again, the Red Sox would do it again, but I'm not too sure about the White Sox. I think they still like a Moncada and a Kopech, but I think Chris Sale has definitely been a more certainty through this point of the last few years for both teams. And then the second trade I want to talk about during segment number one is the Justin Verlander trade back in 2017. The Tigers, the Detroit Tigers traded Justin Verlander and outfielder Juan Ramirez to the Astros for outfielder Daz Cameron, pitcher Franklin Perez, and catcher Jake Rogers. Cameron and Perez were basically two top 75 prospects at the time of the trade. So the Tigers were getting back a nice little haul. So why were the Tigers trading away one of the best pitchers in franchise history, maybe the best pitcher in franchise history? Well, they were on their way to a 98-win season, so why not do a full rebuild? Their owner had died earlier in the year, so the franchise felt like it needed a little shakeup. So in the span of six weeks, they didn't just trade Justin Verlander, but they traded J.D. Martinez to the D-backs, if you remember, Alex Avila, Justin Wilson, Justin Upton, that Tigers felt like it was time to do a full rebuild, and it all started with Justin Verlander. But why did the Astros do it? Well, this was a team that had a World Series lineup and a very good rotation with Dallas Keuchel, Charlie Morin, and Brad Peacock, but was missing that missing piece to put them over the edge, and they felt like Verlander was that missing piece. So who ended up winning the trade? I think you have to say the Houston Astros because... Verlander, after being acquired, pitched to a 106 ERA the rest of the season, helped them win a World Series, and then he also finished top two in Cy Young voting the next two seasons while taking home a Cy Young award as well. Meanwhile, Daz Cameron has played 52 games the last two seasons, where 194 average and 584 OPS in Detroit. He's still only 24 years old, but he hasn't shown anything after being a top 75 prospect. Uh, in the Astros organization. Perez was also like a top 75 prospect or better from 2017 to 2019. I think he was the best prospect in this deal, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's only pitched seven two-third minor league innings since 2019, still only 24 as well. And then Jake Rogers seems to be the best of the bunch, but he's mostly regarded as a backup catcher. So I don't think you trade a generational pitcher for a backup catcher as your headliner. I don't think GMs are making those kind of deals. So would each team do it again? Well, of course the Astros would. Like I said, they got a World Series out of it. And Justin Verlander was like still a stud for uh, quite a while after acquiring him. Even though he's like 40 years old, he's still pitching like an ace. So I think the Astros would definitely do it again. But how about the, the the Tigers? I mean, I don't think the Tigers would, considering they don't have any major leaguers from this team, uh, from this deal. Daz Cameron is on the major league level, but he doesn't look like an everyday major leaguer right now. Does Jake Rogers, and we'll ever see if Franklin Perez is ever able to make it to the MLB level. So right now, the Tigers would definitely not do that again. They traded their franchise superstar pitcher. They traded the face of their franchise, and so far... It hasn't worked out. And now you look at their rebuild. They said, hey, the prospect thing, the trading thing, it hasn't worked out. Let's go out there in free agency and let's sign some superstar players. And that's what the Tigers have been able to do. They signed Eduardo Rodriguez, John Gray, and Javi Baez. Because guess what? Rebuilding just normally, historically, does not work if you're trying to trade your best players and trying to rebuild through prospects. That's a very hard thing to do. You can rebuild through the draft, kind of. You can definitely rebuild through free agency, but trying to rebuild through trades by trying to go into someone else's farm system and getting their top prospects, it's a really hard thing to do. And we got three more trades I want to look at to really illustrate this point of how hard it is 
to trade your franchise cornerstone player and win the deal. But before we look at more deals, I first want to talk to you guys about Built Bar because this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means a new year's resolution. So if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it unlike other protein bars which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. The Built Bar is so healthy. I mean, it's covered in 100% chocolate. It's soft, it's chewy, it's low calorie, low sugar, but high protein and high fiber. It's absolutely amazing. If you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Just go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, all right, all right. Back on the podcast, and let's discuss the next franchise superstar trade, which is the Giancarlo Stanton trade to the New York Yankees. Stanton was traded, I think it it was the offseason of 2018. He was traded to the Yankees for second baseman Starling Castro and two prospects, right-handed pitcher Jorge Guzman and infielder Jose Devers. Guzman was the only top 90 prospect in the deal, but they... The Marlins did get back an everyday major leaguer in a Starling Castro, which you don't normally see in a lot of these trades. So, why did the Marlins do it? Well, they hadn't made the playoffs since the World Series win in 03, and they were pretty much stuck between 70 and 79 wins for the past like three or four seasons prior to this deal. So, they were just kind of stuck in mediocrity. Uh, Derek Jeter was just hired as CEO. Don't forget about that. And Stanton was signed to that 13. 13-year, $325 million contract. I think he was three years into the deal at the time, and the Marlins just don't want to pay that kind of money to be stuck at 75 wins. So Jeter thought it was smart to just blow up the whole franchise and trade Stanton to the Yankees. But why did the Yankees do it? Well, they didn't need a Stanton, but when you're the Yankees and it's championship or bust, you're not going to pass up the opportunity to acquire an MVP type player. So that's what they did. They acquired Giancarlo Stan and also the move helped them clear up a log jam because by trading Starling Castro, now they could give Glaber Torres all the opportunities up the middle. So that was a huge reason why the Yankees did this deal, not just to get the MVP Stan, but to also clear the way for Glaber Torres. So who ended up winning this trade? I think it's the Yankees, but unconvincingly. Stanton slugged nearly 40 home runs his first year in New York and this past season in 2021, but those in-between years, he struggled with injuries, and there's a lot of Yankees fans that were calling for Stan's head. Don't let what don't let the Yankee fans fool you that are happy with Stan after his 2021 performance. They were ready to kill him after 2020 and the season prior, so don't let these Yankee fans fool you into thinking that they are in love with Giancarlo Stan all of a sudden. And also, I say the Yankees win this deal, and I say it's unconvincingly because, again, the Yankees traded for a guy like Stan is because, the, the reason they traded for a guy like Stan is because they they are trying to get back to the World Series, a place they've only been to once in the last 20 years, and they haven't even been able to sniff the World Series with Stan, so that's why it's kind of unconvincingly, but When you look at it from the Marlins' perspective, they got back Starling Castro, who spent two more seasons in Miami, but 
He was good, not great. He's like, all right, and then he went on and left. Guzman has only pitched 2.2 innings the last two seasons, but eight earned runs during that time. He's been smoked whenever he's pitched on the major league level. He was the only top prospect really acquired in the deal, still only 24 years old. And then you look at the other player they acquired in this deal, uh, Devers. He's still only 22 years old. He made his debut earlier this year as well. He only played 21 games, so I'm not even going to give you the numbers. So the jury is still out on both of these players, but I don't think anyone is expecting superstardom from any of those uh, very young players that the Marlins got back. So would the Yankees or Marlins do this deal again? Well, I think the Yankees would, not just because they get a player like Stanton, but because, like I said before, they cleared the way for Glaber Torres. I guess you could have traded Starling Castro somewhere else to clear the way for Torres. But they're able to get off Castro and get back an MVP player. I think that's why the Yankees didn't mind doing that deal, even though they're going to have to pay him through 2022. If he's able to stay healthy, even though he's not an MVP player anymore, if he's able to stay healthy, I don't think the Yankees mind biting the bullet of his contract for that long. He's still an all-star level player. And you look at the Marlins, what they got back, their return just hasn't been that nice so far. Again, those two players are still very young, so the jury's still out on them. But right now, it doesn't seem like those two players have a super high ceiling that can match a Giancarlo stand. So... I'm not entirely sure the Marlins would do that deal again, but I think the Yankees, I think the Yankees might, but I think they would be hesitant to do so. Then the final deal I want to talk about in segment number two is the Manny Machado trade from the Orioles to the Dodgers at the 2018 deadline. Machado was traded for outfielder Yusniel Diaz, infielder Ryland Bannon, starting pitcher Dean Kramer, and reliever Zach Pop, and I definitely butchered some of those names. Diaz was a top 60 prospect, only top prospect acquired at the time of this deal. So why did the Orioles do it? Well, they were on their way to a sub 50 win season. And with all the holes on their roster, they did not love the idea of paying Manny Machado. We know when those teams have their hearts set in on rebuilding, you can't have any quality all-stars on your team. You just have to trade them for mediocre baseball. So the Orioles had to align themselves with that philosophy and trade their best player for a bag of peanuts. So that's why the Orioles did it. They weren't going to pay him and they wanted to lose games. So they got off of Manny Machado's contract. Why did the Dodgers do it? Well, they were in a tight playoff race. They had a very good team, of course, but they're the Dodgers. And whenever they can get an upgrade, especially with it being a superstar player, they thought that it would be advantageous for their franchise. So they went out there and they acquired Manny Machado. No problem. So who ended up winning the trade? I guess you could say the Dodgers because they got the best player out the deal. And they used them to get to the World Series, but they ended up losing that World Series. And again, Machado was only a rental. So I guess you could say the Dodgers won it just because he helped them get to that World Series. And they didn't have to pay him. I guess that's a positive. But the real reason why I can't say the Dodgers lost the deal is because of what they gave up to the Baltimore Orioles. I don't think they were going to be upset at any of the prospects they gave up to Baltimore because so far the prospects really haven't worked out in Baltimore. And when you consider some of the, the, the prospects the Orioles could have gotten, like a Alex Verdugo or a Dustin May or Gavin Lutz, it's really a missed opportunity for Baltimore because Diaz, he was basically a top 50 prospect entering 2019. But 
He has yet to crack the big leagues, and he was the headliner in this deal. Still only 25 years old, but he did not have a good season in the minors in 2021, and part of it was due to injuries. So the Orioles fans are still really really hoping Diaz can pop because if he doesn't have uh if he doesn't pop then this deal will be a complete wash he's the only one keeping it alive by a thread Bannon he'll be turning 26 soon and he's still in the minors as an infielder where he's struggling so that hasn't worked out Kramer he's 25 and he's pitching on the MLB level but 55 earned runs over the last 72 innings pitch he hasn't looked too good and then Zach Pop the reliever he made his debut this year. He didn't look too bad. He looks like the best one so far out of all these guys. But the thing is, he was drafted by the D-backs out of the Rule 5 draft, I think, in 2020. Like, the Orioles let this guy go. They didn't protect him. And then the D-backs decided, let's trade this guy for a player to be named later to the Miami Marlins. Because, of course, that's what the D-backs do. This past season, he had a 4-1-2 ERA, 3-7-7 FIP. He looks like a guy that could maybe pop himself and I don't know why the D-backs decide to give him up for anything but would each team do this again well I think the Dodgers would just because I don't think they care about anything that they gave up and they almost won the World Series emphasis on almost the Orioles as of right now I don't think they would do it again I mean Diaz if he pops like a Cedric Mullins after a few struggling seasons all of a sudden puts it together then of course they wouldn't mind doing the steal but a lot of those guys right now that they acquired just don't look very good on the major league level. They haven't been able to see Diaz, see if he's actually a good major leaguer. So right now, the Orioles aren't too happy with their return either after trading Amanda Machado, who is still a superstar third baseman in baseball. So definitely hasn't worked out for Baltimore. And I think they would be happier with him. I think the Baltimore and their fans would be a lot happier with, with uh, Manny Machado on that roster, even if they were still a 55-win team. Now, we're going to get into the final trade I want to talk about on today's podcast. But first, I need to talk to you guys about BetOnline because BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss the last deal I want to talk about on today's looking back at big MLB superstar trades in recent MLB history and deciding whether the team that traded their best player actually won the deal. And so far, we've looked at four deals. The Red Sox, I think they're happier with Chris Sale than the prospects they've given up. Uh, look at the Tigers. I think they would rather have Justin Verlander. I think the Astros are pretty happy with how Verlander has worked out for them. The Yankees, this one's a little bit iffy, but the return that the Marlins got back had just not really been worth it so far. So I think that one is slightly in the favor of the Yankees. You look at the Orioles one. Again, 
Machado's not even on the Dodgers anymore. But considering they didn't really give up that much and they still almost had the opportunity to bring home a chip, I think the Dodgers would do it again. And the Orioles, the return hasn't been great. It hasn't been great. So I think the Orioles would definitely not do the Machado deal again. But now let's talk about the last deal I have on this list. And it ties into a deal we talked about earlier. It ties into the Miami Marlins because now I want to talk about the Christian Yelich deal to the Milwaukee Brewers. The Marlins traded Yelich to the Brewers for outfielder Luis Brinson, outfielder Monte Harrison, infielder Isan Diaz, and pitcher, <coughs> excuse me, and pitcher Jordan Yamamoto. Three top 100 prospects the Marlins got back. So why did the Marlins do it? As mentioned earlier, they decided to blow up the big three, Yelich, Azuna, Stan. They even traded a D Gordon during this time as well. So Marlins going into the full rebuild, even a Christian Yelich through his agent said, get me out of Miami. Why did the Brewers do it? Well, they were coming off an 85 win season. They wanted to improve their team. Yelich was a rising star. He wasn't a superstar yet, but he was a rising star on a very, very cheap contract. And the Brewers needed to upgrade their outfield. So why not go after a guy like Christian Yelich? So who ended up winning the trade? Well, I think it's clearly the Milwaukee Brewers because as soon as they acquired Christian Yelich, his career took off. He put up godly numbers the next two years. I think he was, the, in my opinion, I think he was the best player in baseball during those two years, finished top two in MVP voting twice while coming home with the award one of those years. He fixed his swing, increased that launch angle, and the ball started flying all over the yard, turned into basically a 40 home run guy. He has struggled the last two years, but still, he's only 30 years old and injuries have been bugging him the last couple years, so I'm going to give him a reprieve. I mean, those first two years were so dominant, the Brewers are definitely doing the deal again. Their return, also, when you look at it from the Marlins' perspective, this is probably the deal that netted the best prospects. You could argue this one or the Red Sox deal uh, with the White Sox because the White Sox basically got back like 220 prospects. Uh, the Marlins here, they got back three top 100 prospects with like two top 50-ish prospects uh, in a Brinson and a Harrison. But when you look at all the, when you look at the return the Marlins got back, with the hindsight, these guys have just not worked out. Luis Brinson has been a 199 hitter with a 570 OPS during his five seasons with the Marlins. Like, this guy's been in the big leagues for a while and still hasn't been able to adjust. He was a top 20 prospect from 2016 to 2018, and now, five seasons in, just hasn't shown anything. Harrison, he's still 26 years old, but he's played sparingly his first couple years in the bigs after being a top 75 prospect. He's only played 41 games, but a 493 OPS during those 41 games. Harrison hasn't looked right. Diaz was a top 100 prospect too, but during his three seasons, he's played 145 games, only a 562 OPS, still only 25 years old. And then Jordan Yamamoto is now on the Mets after struggling with the Marlins. So, they got back three top 100 prospects, but all of them are struggling mightily. Thankfully, they're all still 27 or younger, so there's still time for their careers to turn around. But would each team do the deal again? I mean, again, the Brewers would. They get back an MVP guy in his prime during the deal, but the Marlins, I mean, it's hard to say you could get a better deal out there. In hindsight, you could get a better deal out there, but to say I'm going to get back three top 100 three top 100 prospects with like two top 50 prospects like it's hard to find a better deal than that if you're the Miami Marlins so again 
These five trades illustrate illustrate to you how hard it is to win a, a superstar trade. And historically, you just don't. Like, I don't think any team here that we've talked about today that traded the better player won the deal. And if you look at back at their returns, a lot of them got back multiple top 100 prospects. And even when you get back a top 100 guy, you get back a top 5, top 10, top 20 guy, it doesn't mean they're going to work out. A lot of these prospects were considered blue chippers or can't miss and guess what a lot of these prospects pretty much all of them did miss and after doing this exercise I kind of like the recent big trades that the D-backs have did at least in terms of the philosophy and process because when they traded Paul Goldschmidt they got back a Luke Weaver and a Carson Kelly and of course Jury's still out on Luke Weaver and there's still some question marks on Carson Kelly but I like the idea of going after major league ready guys that will be pitching or starting for me on day one or at 